Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Kent. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. It's Corey along with you today. I was not with you last week for the season preview episode. And I apologize for that, but I was on vacation on a late holiday and missed that episode, but I'm back now. Jason, unfortunately is not alongside me as he is um, off working in an area, which oddly enough has literally no internet connection. It must be Nottingham because those people live in the 1500s, um, especially back in the seventies. Um, but I'm not alone because with me is uh, Jacob Hackett. He's a Derby County fan and he's the Alfred in town media guy as well. Jacob, Thanks for thanks for joining me. It's been a long time coming, but it's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. So, um, Jacob, you know, we uh, uh, Derby kicked off the season last weekend. Uh, they played Oxford United, a team that um, I've actually had the pleasure of going around the ground and having having tours. I have a special kind of watchful eye to them. But they played the Rams, and Derby run out ran out one nil winners with Connor Hurahan, um having a nice strike um, and and scoring the winning goal in front of the South Stand. But for 80 minutes, Jacob, I would like to say, you know, it was all kind of, we've got lift off in the new era and it was great to put three points on the board. So let's start there. How important was it for Derby to start the season with a W, a victory and get three points on the board? I think it was crucial, really. I, th- I think, you know, to, to come off the back of what we've had to put up with and uh, cope with for the past kind of two years almost, to, to get that winning feeling back, you know, positivity. We've got a level playing field now, no point deductions. Um, I think it was really important to kind of start the season on the right foot as we mean to go on and um, put on a little bit of a show for the for the 31,000 people that turned up. I think it's a, yeah, it was, it was a great way to start. And I, and I think personally, I'm quite happy with uh, what I saw. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously, let's talk about the crowd. 31,000, that was obviously the highest one in League One by, a, by quite some margin. I think, didn't Accrington Stanley or something get like four and a half thousand or something like some yeah, ridiculously yeah. like under 10, there was like several teams under 10,000 with attendances. So for Derby to nearly do a sellout at 31,000 was, was absolutely remarkable. And I agree with you 100%. I think when you start a new season, especially with the season that Derby had last year and everything, like you said, that's been gone on. I think if you don't get that opening day victory, the longer it kind of drags on the kind of the, the, the longer the fan base kind of thinks, Oh, here we go again. You know, maybe, maybe we did sign players that were too old or maybe we did do this, this, this. So I think it was crucial mentally for everybody, not only the players, but for the fan base and the club as well, get the three points on the board and start looking forward. But, you know, for 80 minutes, um, 80 minutes, Oxford were in the game at nil, nil. We know that James Collins hit a great strike. Didn't he, uh, Jacob from a, from the edge of the box off of, uh, I think uh, Menzies Lang flicked it over and there was a bit of a header on the six yard box and it fell to Collins and it flashed yeah, wide. Yeah. Um, but you know, how, how impressive, how impressive though, um, was the goal scorer, goal scorer, Connor Hurahane, uh, on Saturday? He, he was good. He was good. I think he was what everyone kind of expected him to be. I, I don't think he was, um, I think he's quite hidden away almost. He wasn't putting a foot wrong. Um, I don't think before the goal, he was like, you know, the standout performer. I think he was kind of quietly doing his role and doing what he needed to do and then obviously he stepped up and produced a moment which was you know the most important moment of the game and it was a very high quality finish as well you know you can tell he's got that experience of playing at the highest level in England and you know even in the championship he's put in some fantastic performances for big teams and to have a player of his calibre in the squad you can, you can just tell with a 
just with that finish, how much confidence he's got and how much confidence that must bring to the players around him. You know, Louis Sibley getting the assist. Um, a player who's kind of in and out of the team last season. Um, so I think this is a huge season for him. So for them to link up and Connor get his first goal to the club, Sibley start the season off on the right foot with an assist to his name. I think it was... Uh, and, and, you know, even the timing of the goal being so late in the game, it added that little bit of oomph to the celebrations and, you know, made it a real feel-good factor around the stadium when it went in. And I, I think a lot of people are going to be expecting a lot more to come from kind of the season as well. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about let's talk about Louis Sibley, because were you shocked, Jacob, when the team sheets came out um, an hour before kickoff at 2 p.m. and Louis Sibley wasn't starting? Were you a bit surprised in that? Um, I think based off last season, I wasn't surprised. I think I expected him to be on the bench. I think with the uh, the midfield three we had of Max Bird, Corey Smith um, and Conor Hurahan himself, it, it's a very strong midfield three. Um, but then also we've seen that Sibley is often, you know, utilised out wide. So there's potential there. But then in pre-season, Mendes Lang and Barkhausen have both been fantastic as well. So I think for Sibley, this is a... a Big season for him to really finally kind of be bedded into that team. There's a, a fair few ageing players in the squad uh, that we've signed in these one and two year deals. And I think it's his job to kind of convince Rossini uh, and the backroom staff that he's ready to make that step up when those deals do expire. And I think he did himself no harm uh, on Saturday against Oxford. But I think um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him use a bit of an impact sub especially in the first half of the season. But if he, if he keeps making those performances in his cameos, then there's no reason he won't be starting frequently with the amount of games we've actually got to play this season. Yeah, and you've said it twice there, Jacob, and it's very similar to to my thoughts as well, that this is a big season for Louis Sibley because we know he burst onto the scene pre-pandemic with that hat trick. Um, well, I think that might have been the first game back. No, because he scored against Blackburn in his first the game before the pandemic and then scored the hat trick um, yeah. after the pandemic. And he really burst onto the scene, looked like he was going to be a key player, very much kind of like Max Bird in a way, where Max Bird had a, a, a spate of games in the team and then kind of just disappeared for a while. Yeah. Um, and it was obviously he was not a favorite of Rooney's because even when we were chasing a trying to trying to chase a point or a victory on that last day, last uh, not last season, the season before against Sheffield Wednesday, Sibley was sitting on the bench when he needed when he needed to go get a goal. And I'm very much similar to you. Like, this is going to be such a big season for him because he's still a young lad. I think he's, what, 20 years old now? Um, And, you know, he's not really played regular first-team football because he's been in and around the squad. But you know what I mean? Like, consistent 90-minute performances or, you know, even consistent starts in a row for such, for what, maybe a year, a season and a half now. So this is a really, really big season for him because we know how talented he can be. We know what he can do on his day. And it's just about you know, trying to flip that switch and now take that next step into I'm going to be a consistent player in this team or I'm going to get the shirt in the first team and I'm not going to relinquish it. And I think you're dead on there. I would I would think that he probably is going to get a few cameo appearances to start the season off. But if the cameos continue to go well, that's the only thing that he can do is force his way into this team because we do know that as we've signed players, some of them are aging. They're, they're not all going to play, um, you know, however many games it is this season because we've got the league and the FA Cup and the Papa John's pizza cup and pizza cup and the, the Carabao cup. We've got so many different cups. We just, it's like being in a China cupboard, um, <laughs> you know? And so I think it is going to be a, a massive, massive season for him um, to pull on. And also, you know, I'm sure we're well aware because this is something we're going to go and talk about the squad depth isn't there as well that we have. So there's going to be a lot of rotation. There's going to have to be with, especially with, you know, we don't, we're not blessed with blessed with numbers, but 
massive season from Louis Sibley. And, and like you say, fantastic for him to get an assist, um, you know, an assist uh, to open the season and hopefully gives him in good stead um, to move on, to move on the rest of the year. Another player, Jacob, that, that kind of stood out for me at the weekend was Nathaniel Menzies Lang. Every time he looked on the ball, he looked lively, looked sharp. He looked very quick and powerful and strong. Um, how were you impressed with, with Darby's number 11? Yeah, I've been really impressed. I mean, throughout the uh, the whole of preseason and then again against Oxford on Saturday, I think um, he was one of the initial kind of trio, the little bunch of free agents that we started signing when it kind of started snowballing and there was a new player every day. He was one of the original uh, original players to join. and he, was, he wasn't a name particularly that stood out to me. I, I think um, I was like, okay, well, we're getting numbers in. You know, I appreciated that we're getting numbers in and I didn't see him being the kind of key player or, you know, not having the impact. I didn't, I didn't think he'd have the impact in a short space of time that he's already had just during preseason and now uh, after the Oxford game. But he's, yeah, like I say, he's really impressed me. I think um, he's so direct. He's so quick. You know, he's got that strength. He's always looking to kind of catch the defender on the back foot. Um He's just very direct, yeah, like I was saying. I think he's going to be a big, big player for us this season, as long as he can avoid injury, which, again, it's no easy task playing. Well, we're going to be playing on nearly 55 games, maybe, maybe 60 games, you don't know. Um, it depends on how far we go in these cup competitions. And obviously with the uh, Papa John's trophy, we've got a group stage and all, and all, all so many facts combined. But um, yeah, I've been really, really happy. I think for me, it'd be one of the first names on the team sheet at this moment in time, based off what I've seen so far. Um, and I'm hoping hoping he can uh, grab a goal or an assist to his name soon. I think he deserves one against Oxford. He came very close um, towards the end of the first half. And uh, and yeah, I'm, be- I'm very pleased with that signing. He's one that's almost surprised me. So I'm hoping he can uh, keep, that, keep that standard up. Yeah, for sure. And I think the biggest thing for, for Mendes Lang is you know, continue to keep the standard and continue to to keep the consistency in those performances because I think his pace is just absolutely electric. And when you look in physically how muscular he is as well, he's going to be very difficult to knock off the ball. And and if he can get kind of those those two things kind of going, you know, he's, he's essentially a League One Adama Traore, but but slightly better with with the final ball. Um, Jacob, we kept a clean sheet, which is not something we we tend to do a lot of. Um, Joe Wildsmith, his first appearance for Derby. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Wildsmith's first appearance of the season? I think it's safe to say that he did everything he had to do. You know, I was impressed with how he moved the ball with his feet. I was cautious um, during preseason. He did look a little bit shaky at times. That could have been down to, you know, maybe he wasn't used to these methods, wasn't playing and training in these methods with Shepherd Wednesday. Um, so during preseason, it's a concern that he didn't look too comfortable with the ball at his feet, but I think he moved the ball out quite nicely against Oxford. Uh, he was able to pick a pass out. He packed a, picked a gorgeous pass out in the second half. I can't quite remember who to. Um, he might have been to Mendes Lang, actually, but you know he got another attack started from the back. Um, and I think time will tell. I think time will tell with uh, Joe Wildsmith. Obviously, he's never really been a first-team keeper. I think a lot of Derby fans would would agree that we do need to get another senior keeper in because um, we are, like like you said already, we have a threadbare squad and um, in the goalkeeping department especially, we only have two goalkeepers that have played at a professional level, one of which is obviously Scott Loach, who we've uh, picked up from fifth tier side Chesterfield. So it's um, I'd like to think he can keep up the standard. I don't think he was tested too much against Oxford. 
Um, but like I say, didn't put a foot wrong. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Um, and yeah, see if you can keep it up. But like, I can't really complain too much as it stands. Yeah, he definitely seems, um, he definitely seems, from talking to the to lads at Sheffield Wednesday, seems very much a confidence player. And I think if, very much like Allsop last season, he looked shaky a little bit early on. And then once he got the gloves and once he got that kind of number one jersey, you could just see him grow from strength to strength to strength. So that's my kind of hope for, for Joe Wildsmith is that he realizes, hey, I've got a big opportunity here. I am the number one at a big club. Um, I need to be playing regular games because he's, he's 26. He's been in and around first teams now for seven years. Like you say, has never really had a consistent run of games. But I think if if you kind of put that arm around him and say, hey, you're a number one guy, you know, we might be able to see the best out of Joe Wildsmith that, that probably Sheffield Wednesday didn't get to see because they, by all accounts, had a, a kind of goalkeeping carousel over the last four or five years because they were just doing some really weird stuff um, for that. Jacob, did any players disappoint you on Saturday? Um, I can't say they did. Off the top of my head, when you ask that question, there's no one that really springs to mind. Um, when I ask that question, I think the the performance as a whole was was a good performance. Obviously, you want to see a striker scoring um, in James Collins, but I think that that's inevitable that he will start scoring. He was very close at the weekend, and he we know what he's like at this level. We've seen it before. Uh, so I have, you know, absolute confidence and faith that he will come good and that he'll start adding a few goals to his tally. Um, and then as you start to look around the, the rest of the squad, I mean, I think Barkhausen was quite quiet compared to pre-season. Obviously, he scored a couple of goals in pre-season. And, um, maybe he was a little bit quiet, but there's no real complaints. I think what we've got to understand is that this is still very much a squad that haven't had a lot of time to gel. It's a lot of new players. Um, that are having to kind of get to know each other still. And I think to, to get a win on the first game of the season just shows, you know, what the mentality is like at the moment in the squad. There'll be a lot of teams that it doesn't matter how many good players you chuck together, it doesn't mean they're going to they're gonna stick. And we've seen that at higher levels, you know, with teams like Man United bringing in all these top players like Ronaldo, Sancho, Varane, and it didn't quite work out for them last season. Um, so it's testament really to the, the mentalities of the players that we've actually brought in. And I know that's something that, Liam Rossini was really big on was making sure that the players had the right attitude. It was one of the most important things uh, that he wanted when he was looking for players, that they had the right attitude, the right mentality, and that they wanted to be at the club. So we've gone on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, But no, I think, yeah, it was a pretty good performance. And I mean, the way I look at it is it's great to get three points, Jacob, in, in the context of the whole season. Are you still bullish about Derby's chances this season? Because I know when you look at when you look at social media, which is obviously the 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 best barometer you can measure anything on these days. Derby are hopefully going to do well. I'm hoping that they're going to do well. I'm expecting them to do well. But does this opening day win raise your expectation levels any, or are you still very cautious, cautiously optimistic of saying like this is just one game of like you say maybe 50 that we're going to play? There are going to be bumps in the road and. You know, let's let's not get the promotion party started just yet. Yeah, I think it would be um, a little bit naive after after the first game of the season to suddenly expect the world, you know, and to expect that we're definitely going to be in the top two contention or we'll definitely be in the top six. I think being realistic, you'd still be, you know, looking at that top six and thinking with our first team squad, we should be getting there. But then, like we've mentioned before, with it with it being so threadbare, then you don't know if we have injuries and suspensions. Like, are the players on the fringe quite good enough to step up yet? 
um, and, and you know keep grinding out those results if if the uh, you know first team players aren't getting those minutes. And um, obviously Oxford were you know they're a decent side um, with a good manager, so it was it was like I say it was a good test, and um, I think realistically we'll only we'll only get better this season. That's how I feel. I feel like we can only get better because we do have a fantastic first team. The, the starting eleven was very good for a League One side. Um, and yeah, it really is just about seeing how far we can go with that. I think squad depth is going to be crucial and fingers crossed we get a few more decent young loan players in. Uh, maybe a few more permanents. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I'm, I'm not too carried away at, at the moment. You know, we've, we've played one game. There's 45 more league games to go and like we've said already, there's quite a lot of cup games that we could end up participating in that can affect the squad. So I'd like I'm quietly confident, but I'm I'm not carried away. No, I agree. And, and uh, Jacob, it, it's like you read my notes because that's going to transition us very nicely because we're going to talk about Charlton um, in a little bit. But we drew a nice little line there under Oxford. But let's talk about potential incomings. Uh, we know that Liam Rossini said that he wanted at least four more players. One of those that has been linked um, has been Everton striker Lewis Dobbin. What do you make? What do you make of that, Jacob? Because the way I see it is, you've got essentially we've essentially got three strikers now in the group, right? We've got the veteran James Collins. We've got a veteran in David McGoldrick who who missed out with a niggle. Hopefully, he gets over that because you don't want that to continue to go on for an extended period of time. And then you've got Jack Stretton, who we all kind of thought out potentially could be a breakout star this year. But obviously, if we're looking at young loan players probably is going to head out on loan somewhere back to maybe the National League or um, some level like that. Lewis Dobbin from Everton, excited about this potential signing? Um, I wouldn't say excited as such. I, I, I don't think we know enough about him to be uh, to be excited. I'd uh, you know, I welcome the transfer with open arms. I'm always happy to see new players join the club. And I think for me, you've, you've got to look at the fact that we do need more squad depth. So maybe even if the quality of the player isn't quite, you know, enough to get us excited, we do need that squad depth and it will be crucial. Um, but we, we don't know. We don't know the quality of this player. You know, he could be could be a star that, that's, you know, yet to be uncovered. Um, I think having a little look at his stats for the under-23s, um, he, I think he scored six goals. I think he managed to score six goals for in the Premier League too. Um, which is obviously the under-23s. Um, and he made a handful of appearances for the first team last season. Um, from what I know from, you know, minimal research, he's a pacey, you know, a pacey attacker that can play anywhere across that front three. So I think that'll be helpful, you know, having players that um, that can make, make a role theirs in a number of positions across the pitch. Um, and also, you know, step in for others if they if they do become injured. So he'd definitely be a welcome addition. Uh, I like what I've heard from him. Um, but as for as for being excited, I think we have to wait and see uh, until he pulls on the Ram shirt for the first time and see what it's like, and then then we can talk about how excited we are. And I think you just mentioned it there that one key attribute is pace because I noticed James Collins. He's got a lot of quality, but but pace probably isn't his strongest suit. And um... I think we do need a bit of a pacey option. So it's, it's interesting to see that, that the coaching staff, obviously Jacob, me and you are geniuses. So that that's why the coaching staff <laughs> are thinking along the same lines, but I think it's very clear that, you know, if we have a pacey striker option, it gives us multiple different ways to play um, in terms of, you know, you've got Collins who's 
a little bit more big and powerful, can hold the ball up. You've got McGoldrick who can kind of drop deep a little bit. Um, and then you've got Dobbin who potentially as a pacey player could potentially run in behind and, and stretch defenses late on or, or early on in games. And so it'll be interesting to see to see how kind of uh, that move develops. But there are three departures. Well, there's two departures in one kind of other discussion I want to have with you, Jacob, about players. Um, but before we move on to that, you mentioned a first-team goalkeeper, another another first-team goalkeeper. So we, I agree with you. I think we need another goalkeeper for Joe Wildsmith. We obviously are being linked with attackers, a striker. What other, if, if Liam Racine is looking to bring four players in and one's a goalkeeper and one's a forward, where do you think those other two to, um, positions are? Is one right back? Um, I think it has to be. I think it has to be a senior right back. Um, and then I'd also probably bring in another winger. I think we're, we're quite well stacked in midfield. We're very well stacked with centre-backs. We've got um, obviously got the two left-backs now in Forsyth and Roberts. And obviously Forsyth can play centre-back if needed. So I think we are you know, very well covered uh, in defence except for right-back. I think Jason Knight, I actually quite like him at right-back. And that might seem uh, a, little, a little weird, but I, I, I'm not sure if he actually fits into the best starting eleven anywhere other than right back at the moment. Because um, we, I, I think we've failed to utilise Jason Knight in the way that he could be utilised over the, over the time he's spent with us. Um, and at the moment, we've got to put together a squad that will do a job for us in the here and now. And I think his best position for us, although it may not be the most beneficial for him and his career development, I think... He is better off at right back for us than, you know, playing out wide. So I think he's wasted out wide. Um, or, you know, playing that central attacking midfielder position. So obviously we've got Conor Horahan, who is an experienced professional who we know is going to be fantastic. Um, so I think I, I quite like him playing in that right back role. But I think we do need a senior right back who is experienced in that position. Um, and it's it comes back to, you know, Nathan Byrne and how how big of a loss that could and should be depending you know it's there's kind of blurred lines over his departure he's not officially left on the um if you go on the web uh, the website Derby's website and look at the squad numbers you can see his name at the bottom with a little asterisk next to it and saying he's not been assigned a number but he's you know technically still at the club and you know it's a difficult one I, I think someone like Nathan Byrne would be fantastic to have um and then as we go on to the other position I mentioned, I just think we need more depth on the wing. You know, at the moment we've got uh, Barkhausen, we've got Mendes Lang, Knight can play there, Sibley can play there, but I think we need another winger that, you know, is a natural winger that wants that spot to be his, that wants to be a winger. Um, I think that can only benefit us. Yeah, for sure. So my question is, because we're talking about right backs, is Jason Knight still a Ram when the transfer window closes? I think that all depends on who we bring in. You know, I, I don't think, um, well, from reports, I don't think we're in a position where we have to sell anymore unless the money is right. Um, and I can't see Knight being sold unless we do bring another right back in. Obviously, we've lost, we lost a few academy players as well at the end of last season. The contract's running out and... Um, Cornell McDonald was a right back in our academy who yep. I was quite quite surprised to see go. Obviously made a number of uh, first team appearances. I thought it kind of would have been the, nas- uh, the natural progression for him to kind of step up now and maybe have a bit more of a chance in League One. So to see him released was quite a big shock and, le- and left us very empty at the right back position because 
obviously now our only natural right back is Kwaku Aduro, um, who has never really played senior football. So, in fact, I don't think he's made a single uh, a single appearance in senior football. Um, so, we, it really does depend. I, I personally think that Knight will still be at the club. Um, that's not to say he won't leave in January. Uh, you know, he's only got two years left on his contract, so it comes to a point where if we do run it down, we've got no sale value for him. So I, th- I think come the end of the summer, I wouldn't be surprised if he was still at the club. But I think equally, if we were to act fast and bring in a right back and it freed up, you know, freed up his position and gave him more of a chance to leave without hindering the club's performance too much, then I could see his cashing in as well. So I wouldn't be too surprised either way. Let's talk about let's talk about Nathan Byrne because you mentioned him and that's the next thing on my notes. Um, he did really really well last season. I believe he was. I think he was the was he the players' player of the year last season. Yeah, I believe he was. Yeah, and obviously he kind of did the whole Lee Buchanan thing where Darby changed holding companies and he ripped up his contract. And then Buchanan, we know what happened to him. He went to Verde Bremen on a free transfer, and then they appealed. And yeah, it's not a free transfer; they owe us money. Um, but. But, but what's Nathan Burns' game here? Because he's 30. He's a decent right back, but, you know, he's not he's not Reese James. He's not Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, he's certainly a better fullback than me, so I'm not trying to put him down. I'm just saying, like, you know, mm-hmm. level-wise. He's a lower championship, mid-table championship kind of fullback. But what, what's his game here? Because he, he, could, he could play at Derby, play well, get a move in January, and be okay, but... He's basically just, I wouldn't say he's going on strike, but it's a very weird situation, isn't it? Yeah, obviously I I can't speak for him, but I'd imagine that his uh, game plan would be to get a move back into the championship. Um, But then I haven't heard of a lot of interest in him. You know, with Buchanan, it was kind of from the get-go. Yeah, you're hearing different links and stories and stuff. Yeah, we've heard the Werder Bremen interest in uh, Lee Buchanan for quite a while. We obviously know that he was linked to Forrest and... Other clubs were, you know, chasing him down and, and eventually he left and it was sealed pretty quickly. But with Byrne, there's been a few links here and there, but nothing concrete. You know, he's still he's still a Derby player, I think. I think it's complicated legally. I don't even think Nathan Byrne or Derby know what you I know, think what we the hold is. Derby, as you said on the website, say that they hold his player registration. So, yeah, it's there's nowhere else he know. can go. He's not a free agent. At the moment, it looks like it's backfiring on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, we just we just don't know because there could be a championship club come in for him. I think, I think he probably will end up going into the championship. Um, but it's been a very weird, you know, very weird situation. I think even if it if his contract extension had been triggered, I think there would have still been interest in him. Um, and he's kind of put himself into quite a difficult spot where where he's kind of in a bit of limbo. Uh, and I don't think it helps his career. I don't think it helps Derby. I don't think it helps anyone. Because when you look at it, I mean, it's very similar. Look at Andre Wisdom. He left Derby, didn't have a contract. And Andre Wisdom's not had a club now for, what, a season and a bit now? Yeah. Maybe, maybe 18 months, Andre. I know he had a trial, I think, at Birmingham or whatever, but it's not like he's latched on. And you just, I mean, the way I look at it is you've got a 30-year-old player who has historically played in mid-table championship and, and high League One level teams. And he has an opportunity for a contract extension. He's 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 loved by the supporters. Like I think 
everybody kind of likes Nathan Byrne. And then he goes and does this. And like you say, he's, he's it's not like he's got to move yet. The season's going to be dragging on and you could potentially get clubs sitting there going, well, we were interested in Nathan Byrne, but we don't want to have to deal with all this mess that's going on with Darby. We can just move on to our secondary target. And then when yeah. the transfer window closes, he's kind of left in no man's land without a chair when the music stops. Um, as well it's with not age. like he's getting any younger because he's 30. Exactly. I was going to say, it's not like age is on his side yeah. um, in football in terms, you know, and we've signed another right back now as well. So even if he's to stay at Derby, I think he's tarnished his relationship with the fans. I think a lot of fans are very upset and uh, frustrated with the way that he's tried to handle the situation following in Lee Buchanan's footsteps, who also isn't the most liked character in Derby now because of, you know, because of his actions. Um, and if, you know, if he does stay at Derby, then he's got a bit of making up to do. He's got to, you know, battle with a much younger, hungrier, I imagine, player in Kwaku Aduro. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, it's, a, it's a, definitely an interesting one. And again, it's one of those where time will tell. I think that's been the kind of the uh, the story of Derby in recent years. You know, <laughs> you know that um, we've just got to wait and see constant, you know, waiting game. Obviously, we've kind of escaped that now with the new ownership and things are finally looking up. But it's just one of those cases where there's not a lot we can do. We've just got to see what what happens and hopefully it works out the best for you know for both parties. But like you were saying, he's definitely put himself in a in a bit of a sticky situation because with the the legal battle that I'm sure Derby would uh, happily ensue with uh, you know following the successful completion of the uh, the trial against Lee Buchanan, um or the case against Lee Buchanan rather. Um I don't think Derby would be too hesitant to do that again for Nathan Byrne and no one really wants to get involved in that mess so yeah it's it's a very strange one and it sets a strange precedent if any team that takes over that gets taken over goes into administration and that holding company changes it sets a dangerous precedent for that team if players know that hey you know what I kind of wanted out anyway just screw this just rip my contract up because we're changing from Corey to Jacob's name and there's that kind of like 20 minute window before the signature you know what I mean like yeah. That could set a very strange and dangerous precedent uh, for the game generally. So it'll be interesting on how that shakes out. Two more player departures to talk about, though, Jacob, before we go on to Charlton. Um, Christian Bielix left. He's on gone on loan for um, the season at Birmingham City. I think that is more of a move to try to play at the World Cup than anything against not wanting to be at Derby. Um, but you never know. Christian Bielik, obviously an ambitious young player, wants to play at the World Cup. Um, very quickly, thoughts on, on Christian Bielik at Birmingham? It seemed uh, like a decent move for all sides, right? Yeah, yeah, that's my opinion. I, I think the um, the move made sense for all parties. Birmingham was supposedly covering a big chunk of his wages, which is obviously very helpful for us with our kind of uh, transfer plan. It allows us to bring another few players in. Um, and also, it's not as though we're short in midfield, so we've, we've already got that cover for him. Um, for Bialik, obviously, it's a chance to play in the World Cup and he's, he can go and prove himself on, at the championship stage. Um, you know, the Poland manager, again, had been reported that he'd said, you know, you're not going to get into our World Cup team if you're playing in the third tier of England. So he's done it for his career. I don't blame him. Um, and, you know, for Birmingham, it'll probably work out pretty well too because he's a, he's a fantastic midfielder. We all know that. Um, and if if he stays fit, then then he'll no doubt be a, a popular sign and a very good signing for, for Birmingham. And obviously, he's, he's spent time on loan there before. So he's going back to a familiar setting. Um and I think as well, with him having two years left on his deal, 
it gives us time to see how well his loan deal goes with Birmingham, then potentially cash in at the end. Or I think it depends on our league as well. You know, if we stay in League One, then realistically we're going to have to cash in because we're not going to get him a new contract at the club, and we're going to have to take what we can for him. Bearing in mind he was our record signing, and we still have uh, still have Arsenal X amount of money for him. There's um, there's loads of different complications there as well, uh, as with everything to do with Derby. Um, but no, yeah, I think it makes sense for for all parties involved, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting that I obviously have not been privy to the negotiations or know anything, but it'd be very interesting to know if that clause in the contract had a recall clause uh, in the during the January window because it, let's say Poland do really well and he's a standout player um, and Darby's getting offers, you know, they could always, you know, recall him and then maybe sell him on to it to a continental team. Um, or another team in England that you know that that wants the player after the World Cup. So it'd be interesting to see if if there is a recall clause in that contract, or it's just a yeah. straight season long loan, no obligation or option to buy, and then he's coming back. But yeah, it'll be really interesting. Hopefully, he does well like Jed Spence, and then they can sell him on for big money. Um, one other player that's left the club, Jacob, and this is somebody who is going to have a, a, a lasting legacy at Derby County. And I say that tongue in cheek because he literally will be forgotten tomorrow. Um, but Bobby Duncan, Bobby Duncan has left uh, Derby. <laughs> he has joined a Gibraltar side. Yep. Gibraltar have a league apparently, and he's playing there now. Um, just never really worked out. Just a bit of an odd, odd ball signing. He made the one appearance against Chorley when we played the kids. Just, just, just so weird, right? Yeah, it's um, probably one of the weirdest signings in in recent history. That's for sure. Um, he, he just never played for us, did he? Like like I say, um, or like you say rather, he played in that uh, cup tie against Chorley. You know, he was teed up to be this next big thing. I think he signed a three year deal, um, three year deal a few a couple of years back. But apparently, was he refusing to play? I heard something about him refusing to play. Um, oh, I don't know about that. I just know that he has got a very good agent because I think his agent build him up. And then that's how he got the move to Fiorentina. And then when I spoke to the Fiorentina live, they said literally he just never left his condo. Like his favorite part of Fiorentina was like the fountain outside of his apartment. Um, yeah, and then Darby. And then, yeah, I had, I've heard lots of different things about him and wanting to be in different changing rooms and things like that and whatever. Um, just, just really weird. Just, just weird. Yeah. And he's, he's gone. So that ends the conundrum of Bobby Duncan. Cause I think a lot of us were sitting there going like, well, is this guy still around? Is he like, did he fall off the face? Oh, okay. He's gone now. Okay, great. So yeah, there, there was no word on him. No word on him at all for a long time. I don't think time. the club even listed that he left. I think I just read that somewhere on like Twitter. Or Instagram yeah. I or think that he had gone. I think he actually signed for a Spanish third division team. Oh, it was a Spanish third division. I think it was, yeah. I, I just had a little search there. I, I saw someone on Twitter say he's gone to a Gibraltar team. And then I told my mate he'd gone to a Gibraltar team. They were like, has he? And then I double-checked. And I am I'm think I think he's gone to the Spanish third tier for Real Belenpadica. I've definitely butchered that pronunciation as well. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. The important thing is, is that, yeah, that that's, say that again, Jacob, because that was great pronunciation. Real Balimpicada. Oh my God. That is a great, that is a great, great pronunciation. But yeah. So Bobby Duncan's gone. Best of luck, Bobby. Thank you, I guess, for your one appearance at Derby, whatever. Done and dusted. That is another player out. Um, Obviously no fee and no one really cares.
right, moving on to, to the weekend, Jacob, we're going to hear from uh, uh, Louis Mendez at Charlton live very shortly, get a Charlton perspective, but the Rams head down for the first away trip of the league one season um, headed to the Valley, former premier league ground. Charlton used to be up in the big time about a decade ago, but they've been languishing in league one ever since. And I learned in the preview that Cheltenham town took four points off of Charlton last year. Yeah, let that sink in Cheltenham. Don't sleep on them. Um, do you think it's going to help Jacob? I had this conversation with, with Louie in the next segment, but do you think it's going to help Darby that their away trip is to kind of a stadium like the Valley and not a, a bandbox 10,000 seater where the fans are right on top of you kind of ground? Do you think it's going to help them in their transition into this league? Um, yeah, I'd like to think that the stadium we play in shouldn't affect us too much. Um, but no, I can see where you're coming from. I think it, it might have a little bit of an impact with the players, not uh, sorry, with the supporters not being so, you know, on the back of the player, you know, just a few a few centimetres away from the pitch, like at the old baseball ground, how it was back in the day. Um, but no, I, I, I think obviously the the actual temperament of, of both teams will have a, the, the bigger say. Um, and, you know, Charlton are not a bad side. You know, they've bounced, they've kind of bounced around, haven't they? They were in the championship not too long ago. Um, they've, they've got a fairly decent team. Um, and I don't think it would be too too easy for us. You know, we, we never fare too well um, when we head when we head south. Um, so, I hadn't considered that. It's a London team and we always get murdered in London, especially away from yeah. home. Oh, and then as well, got to factor in the... Um, the away days you know we, yeah. we didn't have too much luck on the road so for me this is a very big early test you know we're playing a, a decent team who you know they're playing at home at the valley so it's I'm, their home opener as well and they they drew with Accrington on the opening day so they're going to be they're um, going to be wanting to get the first three points of the season on on board as well yeah so I'm, I'm anxiously looking forward to it I think it'll be nice to see if we can we can put that away form to bed. I think we only won three times on the road last year in the championship. Um, so it'd be nice to kind of see see how we fare. I think obviously uh, it was either one of Rooney or Rossini was saying how last year we always seemed to struggle on the road and it was down to, you know, the players being quite young and experienced and not quite knowing how to hold on to that result or, you know, how to dig in deep and get back into the game. Um, and obviously now we've got, quite the opposite we've got quite a very experienced squad with with a few youngsters dotted in that you know have that quality so it'd be good to to see how we get on and I'm uh, anxiously awaiting awaiting that game I think it's one that we can read into a little bit I think we might learn a little bit about the squad do you think Liam Rossinger keeps the same 11 in the same kind of shape or you know does David McGoldrick and James Chester start if they're fit and does he potentially go with a 4-4-2 instead of uh, kind of the four three three that he was playing at the weekend. How do how do you see that shaking out? Um, I, I'd be surprised if he if he changed it up. And I think the reason for that being is that it's not like it's been a Saturday Tuesday. It's been Saturday, yeah. and then we've had a whole week to recover, and then we've got Mansfield in the Carabao Cup on the Tuesday after Charlton. So I think we're more than likely to play our kind of strongest starting eleven against Charlton, and then maybe play a few more of the fringe players in the cup against Mansfield. Um, with McGoldrick and Chester, I think if Chester and McGoldrick are fit, they probably make the bench just not to, you know, not to rush them in too quickly, just to have them there as an option. Um, I think Collins did play quite well. Um, you know, I think he went under the radar a little bit, so I think he will keep keep his place in the starting eleven. 
And again, I think Cashin was fantastic at the weekend. Um, and, you know, Davis is the kind of ever present. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Cashin and Davis be the starting centre backs for the majority of the season, you know, the first choice centre backs, especially with Cashin adopting that number six shirt. I think it's a big statement for a, for a young centre back. And yeah, I think for me personally, I don't see any reason why you'd have to change the starting 11 unless there was a injury concerns. Yeah, I agree. And definitely when you look towards that Mansfield game, that might be the game where maybe Craig Forsyth or James Chester play and that kind of thing. But definitely, I agree with you there, Jacob. You've got to keep the same 11. You've got to keep it. You know, I'm a big proponent of it. If, it's ain't, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the kind of moniker they say here uh, in the States. So, you know, as long as we get the we got the three points, we played relatively OK. Um, and, you know, as we've talked about uh, previously, this team needs time to gel and you can only do that by playing together. So making chopping and changing things unless there's an injury or, or a niggle or anything like that doesn't make sense, especially with, with Mansfield coming up. So uh, we're going to go to, to Louis Mendez in Charlton live uh, where we talk about, get a Charlton perspective um, and see how they're shaping up. Louis Mendez. He's from the Charlton live. Um, Louis, thanks for joining me. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Yeah. My pleasure, Corey. So Louis, I just want to find out a little bit about Charlton um, for our, for our, obviously the match on Saturday, because our two teams haven't met in a while. I think the last connection that we have is Christian Bielik has played for both of our teams uh, in the, in the recent thing. He doesn't play for us now though. We just loaned him out to Birmingham because he didn't want to play in league one to make the world cup. Um, But anyway, regardless of that, uh, Louis, talk to me about Charlton so far uh, preseason and the opening match of the season. They drew two, two with Accrington Stanley, which I look at that on paper and I'm thinking Charlton should win that game. Um, Talk to me about your preseason and going into the season. Is, is is Charlton a force for promotion here, or are you guys kind of setting up to build for the playoffs, or are you settled into yeah. mid-table mediocrity? Um, different answers depending on who you ask, really. I, I think I think what is quite telling is the majority of people from outside looking in have said that Charlton are mid-table this this season. We don't really look set up for a promotion push. I think when you, when you speak to some of our fans, are a bit more optimistic than that. Um, I like to think I'm a bit more of a realist and I, I think those mid-table predictions look, look pretty sound. We're going through a, a big summer uh, of, of change and uh, unfortunately not the first one we've been for over the last few years. But um, uh, in, in the summer, we, we lost our manager, Johnny Jackson. He was let go by Thomas Sangard, our, our owner. Um, I, I felt harshly. Some fans weren't too disappointed with the decision, but you know, uh, Jacko was a bit of a club legend. He, he captained the club. Uh, to promotion from League One. He was assistant manager when we got promoted from League One last time. Uh, and, you know, all, all around nice bloke. And he, he took over sort of midway through last season after Nigel Atkins had, had enjoyed a really dreadful start uh, to the campaign and, and turned the club around. And we had a really good sort of middle part of last season. Then injuries hit. We we fell off a little bit. I think we went about five or six games without a win. Uh, but then when we started getting players back, we actually ended the season in, in reasonably good form other than the final day where we got beat. So it, for me, it was a bit of a surprise that, that Johnny Jackson went. But Thomas Sangard has um, looked to sort of engage the club in, in a massive change of playing style now um, and, and brought in Ben Garner, who was the boss uh, at Swindon last year. And, and he was much lauded for the sort of attacking football that, that Swindon played. And that was something that Thomas Sangard is uh, the owner uh, is a Danish American owner based out in Colorado, actually. So um, he's, um, uh, I, I don't know if you, you might be able to tell me better if American sports owners are all like this, but he's very brash and very bold and over promises and says, we're going to blow the league away last season when we finished 13th and, and all these sort of things. And 
Uh, he, he also certainly seems to have a bit of an idea of how to how a football club should play when some would suggest he's not necessarily the most qualified to be making those sort of decisions and it should be left to the footballing staff. So that's one thing I've sort of said about him. But he has brought in someone who will play in this vision that he has. And, and Ben Garner is someone who, who speaks about possession football and attacking football and, and all this sort of stuff. So it is a complete change. Um, there's been a number of new players coming in, a lot of turnover uh, of players. Sort of interestingly, because Garner came from Swindon, we also signed, I think, three players from Swindon as well. Uh, and they did come quite close to promotion from League Two last year. So on, on an upward trajectory, even if a lot of the players are making the step up now. Um so it's sort of a bit of a mixture of going into the unknown for, for Charlton fans with so many new players in this new style. But also, I'd say a lot of these players have to make the step up. Um, so there is that bit of optimism, but a little bit perhaps of hesitancy from some of us just saying, well, we don't really know how this is going to land. And it started with this, uh, this opening day at Accrington. I mean, as you say, on, on paper, Charlton versus Accrington, you know, if you said 10 years ago, we'd be in the same league, everyone would have laughed, but we are now. And uh, we, uh, I think out of the, the seven times we've now played him in League One over the last few years, we've never, we've only beaten him once. And that was at home. Uh, we have a dreadful record up there. And it looked like that was going to be put to bed. You know, we, we played quite well first half up at, up at Accrington on Saturday, had the lead, but they came out second half, uh, put us under a lot of pressure, equalised. And then it looked like it was going to fizzle out to a draw. Uh, we nicked what seemed to be a winner, which was quite a nice story with Miles Lieburn scoring a header on, on his debut, came off the bench. Uh, his son uh, of a former Charlton legend, Carl Lieburn, who's pretty well known for fans of 90s football, uh, sort of interlinked with the club. And his mum, Tracy, still works at the club as the player liaison officer. So that was a massive feel-good story. Uh, although 15 seconds later, we conceded in the 96th minute and drew 2-2. So could have been worse. You know, we, we, we've often struggled against Accrington. There were some positives to take from that performance. There were some negatives as well. That possession-based football I was telling you about, playing it out from the back. Well, uh, it turns out we have not, not necessarily quite good at it there because the amount of times we tried to play it out of our own box and gifted them a chance um, sounded alarm bells. But as a start, I'd say it, it could have been a lot worse. And so when the fans show up to the Valley, Louis, uh, I'll be obviously watching along on Rams TV and, and as well as a lot of other Derby fans and, and those that make the trip to the Valley. Um, how will Charlton, what kind of formation do they play and how can we expect them to, um, to kind of, what, what kind of patterns can we expect to see? Yeah, so, so what we've seen from, from Ben Garner so far, it's a 4-3-3 uh, formation. Uh, last season un- under Jacko, we were playing three at the back, but we've gone back to a 4-3-3. Um, and as I was just saying, really, they, they, they look to really try and play it around the back a, a lot of the moment and, and keep as much possession as possible. So it was notable that I think we had 60% of the ball up at Accrington on Saturday, which isn't necessarily something you'd always see um, from a Charlton side last season. But we, but we did dominate possession and try and work work chances by playing the ball around quite a lot. It was interesting. Uh, we had a our final pre-season friendly was against Swansea City, and that was at the Valley. And uh, when interviewing the manager after, he he said something that sort of made me laugh at the time. But he, he spoke about how a couple of fans sat in the seats behind him uh, were getting impatient and shouting forward. And, and those fans ought to move seats and not sit near him because his side aren't going to change the way they play. So expect a lot of passing it around. Expect, unfortunately, a lot of mistakes. So if you have got players who are going to press us quite high, uh, which it sounds like you do, um, then I wouldn't be shocked to see us give the ball away on the edge of our own area a few times. But also... We, we did put some nice moves together on Saturday. I thought our opening goal was excellent. To be fair, our, our 
on, on paper winning goal that turned out not to be a winning goal was it was a lovely move as well with um uh, Stephen Sessiong who we've got on loan from Fulham marauding down the left hand side and setting up uh, Jack Payne to, to cross in for Lieber. And so we have put some nice moves together, but there will be times when I think we will overplay it a little bit um, in, in the hope that you will press us and we'll be able to play around it. But from what I saw on Saturday, realistically, we, we, we may well gift a few opportunities as well. So outside of playing it out from the back and, um, and gifting those opportunities to the opposition, are there any other weaknesses in the Charlton side that, that maybe Derby could exploit? Again, it's early days yet, but and one of, one of the notable things about Ben Garner Swindon side last year was for for all the, the the goals they did score, and they were the highest scoring team in League Two, and, and chances created and all that. They were they were top of the charts of all those good good uh, stats. I think they were of the I think the top eleven or so. They had the worst goals against record, so they do seem quite open at the back. And I will say, even though the goals on Saturday didn't come from giving the ball away. We do look a bit susceptible to crosses. Like I think Ben Garner would love to play with really attacking fullbacks. So I mentioned Sessignon on one side. We've got Sean Clare, who's playing right back, who, uh, well, if you ask him, he'll he'll tell you he's a midfielder, although he does seem to get played at right back a lot, but he loves to get forward. And both times on, on Saturday, we seem to be caught out a little bit from uh, the, the wide players getting the space to put across in. And then our two central defenders, I don't know what you'd call it, caught napping or what, but... Um, not necessarily dealing with sec- certainly the second goal. We seem to have a couple of players just the wrong side. So <clears throat> we, we, we still seem to be trying to gel as a defensive unit. And I think with the amount that they try and push the, the fullbacks open, we might be a little bit susceptible on the on the wide areas as well. But again, it's still early days and, and you're hoping that Ben Ben would have been working on that sort of stuff on the training ground this week. And from from weaknesses to strengths, work in Charlton hurt Derby. Uh, well, so, so as I say, I think possession-based football, I think um, they, they will try and play their way through. I, I do think, uh, again, from from what I saw on, on, on Saturday, Stephen Session had a really good game getting up and down. I, saw, I remember against Swansea in the preseason as well. I thought I was a bit unsure what he was going to be like. Obviously, his, his brother is very well known uh, playing Premier League football, but but he sort of hasn't quite made that step up yet. But he, he looked like a, a player who really likes to maraud and get forward. And then on paper, with, with the amount of wingers we play and wide players, we've got a player called Corey Blackett-Taylor who will play uh, wide of the three. Uh, again, he's he's a he's a real sort of skillful player getting into positions to either cross or, or get a shot off from, from wide areas. Um, and if we can get the ball into those crossing positions, on, again, on paper, it didn't have the best of games on Saturday, but Jaden Stock, I mean, we nicknamed him the headmaster when he first joined because all these goals uh, for a long time seem to be with his head. He's, he's very dangerous in the air. Uh, and, and you have to say, from what we've seen from Miles Lieban so far, I imagine he, he wouldn't be starting. He might get the only a cameo, but he looks pretty good. He looks pretty sharp as well. He's a bit raw, uh, being only I think eighteen years of age. But he's uh, he's caused uh, teams a bit of a handful so far. And and uh, as I say, capped off his his, uh, his debut with a with a nice little goal on Saturday. And Louis, before I press you on a score prediction, because I'm going to have to do that because we do that for all of our guests, but. Unfortunately, Charlton's been down in League One for a while, so you have a lot more experience at this division than 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 what I do. Um, talk me through League One. It, it is it. It's not a classic football division, I wouldn't suspect. Talk 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 me through like like League One football. Most of these teams that come, like the really random ones. What what's the, the division freezing. like? What can we <laughs> expect going into this? 
It's tough. It is really tough. And I, I think a, any of the so-called bigger clubs down here would have found that. I mean, Portsmouth have been relegated from this division. We, we've, you could argue, come close to being relegated from this division a couple of times, certainly going into like the final third of the season without being certain where we were going to finish, uh, including at times last year, you have to say. Um, it is really difficult. It, it can be physical. You do get your, your ball-playing teams, which you don't see as often down here. I think we're, we're, we're trying to become one now. Uh, someone like Milton Keynes will, will try and play a style of football you're not accustomed to seeing too often in League One. But you, first of all, you have to be ready for the for the physical battles, and and you, and you have to not underestimate the smaller teams. You know, I've seen uh, your Cheltenham Towns, your Accrington Stanleys, your, your Fleetwood Towns come into the Valley and, and, and play really well just because they they've got smaller budgets than, than you have. It's um. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really belie the difference in in in, in the clubs and of the stature that come to you. So I, I don't think you can come into this division too cocky about how you're going to get on just because you are a, a bigger club. Um, there are some real tough, sometimes physical battles in this league, especially away from home as well. Some some of the grounds are quite compact, and if your players go into into these sort of games with the wrong mindset, then they can easily, very easily, get caught out. Yeah, and I think that will. I think actually, Louis, that's a good point about the small, compact grounds with, with kind of the the raucous or smaller crowds, right? The really compacted ones. It might actually suit Derby to have their first away trip in League One at the Valley, because it is a more you know, it was it was a Premier League standard ground, you know, what a decade ago or so. So you know, it, it's it's not a, a bin box as they say here. That's that's all tied up and on you. Um, so it's good to know that it's a tough division, and and you know, we talked with with your podcast earlier that you know we just I think a lot of Derby fans just need to be pragmatic in in the approach here and take one game at a time and, and hopefully get on a bit of a run but they're going to be sticky patches as there are in every season because Cheltenham Town and Accrington are rolling in and and you know you never know what's going to happen uh when you when you get um when you get to this level in these various different teams so Louis before we finish um you're obviously going to the game at the Valley um you watch Charlton week in and week out give me a score prediction Louis I, I still think we're finding our feet. So, and I saw Derby. I, I just grind that out on on Saturday. I obviously watched the highlights on on ITV, and uh, it, was, it was a nice finish for you, for your winning goal. But uh, Derby have some some big name players. If you are going to sort of come come to us and, and try and put us under pressure, especially putting us, I, I can I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. I can see us scoring goals. So I think I'm going to go for a score draw, and I will actually go for a repeat of our opening day game. I'm going to go for a two two draw. Fair enough. I can see that as well. But Louis, obviously, because I'm a Derby supporter and I support a Derby podcast, I have to pick Derby's going to win to keep the good momentum going because they'll run me out of dodge. Um, I think I'm going to go 2-2. I can see a 2-2. I think it'll be open. Uh, We did keep a clean sheet at the weekend. Uh, It took us 80 minutes to break Oxford down. I'm going to go 2-1, 2-1 to the Rams. James Collins is going to get the winner in his, in his, uh, for for his first uh, goal uh, for Derby County. But uh, Louis Mendez from Charlton Live. Louis, thank you so much for, for spending a few minutes and and giving myself some excellent insights and, and our and our fan base as well some insights on Charlton and on League One. My pleasure. Thanks very much. And I wish you all the best. But I wish you all the best after Saturday. Then then best wishes until we meet again later this season. And, and looking forward to catching up with you later. Yeah, likewise. I'm looking forward to getting back to Pride Park. It's a very nice stadium. Thanks, Louis and Charlton Live for that. We'll catch up with you later on in the season. Jacob, before I let you go, I got to push you for a score prediction. Louis predicted a, a 2-2 draw at the Valley. I predicted a 2-1 Derby win. 
Um, score prediction for Saturday down at the Valley. I'm gonna gonna sit on the fence and say a one-all draw. Ooh, one-all draw. You're raving you know at me. An away day in London, taking a point home. I'd take that. To be fair, four points from two games. That would be a pretty pretty solid start. In all honesty, um, yeah, I would be I would be happy with a point. But I'm gonna be. I'm still think we're gonna get three points because I always think Darby's gonna win. Um, <laughs> But Jacob, thank you so much for, for joining me on the episode this week. I know this has been a long time coming and um, I hope we get to catch up again uh, later on the season. Jacob Hackett, he's a Derby County supporter and he's the media guy at All Fritton Town. Jacob, thanks so much for, for spending, uh, spending the last 40 odd minutes with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And we'll be back next week, everyone, to, to recap the, the Charlton game. We may or may not have a preview of Mansfield, depending on when we record and how schedules shake out. We've got a couple of Rams where you meets in the work. So stay tuned for those. Um, and we've also recently launched uh, a new YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out too on the social medias. Um, but Jacob, thank you so much. Unfortunately, Jason can't be here, but this is Corey. Um, we'll be back next week, everybody. So there's only one last thing to say, and you know what that is. And that is up the Rams. <laughs>